Okay, guys, we're we're uh, in lesson two. We're going to talk about a little bit about understanding prophecy. In particular, we're going to be talking about uh, the whole issue of the different views concerning the millennium and the second coming. So we're going to spend two days, two different weeks on this. We're going to break this up. There's quite a there's a lot of views. Some of them you may be aware of. Some of you maybe heard of. Some of them that maybe some friends of you hold to and. And remember, I told you that we don't want to be dogmatic or, you know, we, we want to be tolerant of maybe somebody who holds something different when it comes to eschatology. Because when we go through these viewpoints, you're going to see why. Because you might be saying, well, that's pretty dumb. Why do you believe that? You know what I'm saying? How come you, why, why aren't you seeing it the way I see it? Well, we're going to see some different views here why, and you're going to see why. Okay, so let's get into it today. We're going to talk about several different views. And we're going to start off with the most prevalent view that most of us here hold. And you maybe didn't know that this is what it was called, but this is the view that most of us here, this is the view that I hold, and this is the view that uh, is predominant in the theology of our church. And it's called dispensational premillennialism. Dispensational premillennialism. Now let me just stop for a minute. You say, what in the world is dispensationalism? Well, dispensationalism is a viewpoint of how to interpret the scripture. It views the Bible in a dispensational way. What do you mean by that? Well, what we do is we see that God interacted with humanity differently over certain dispensations. So, for instance, how God acted with humanity before the fall, with Adam and Eve, that's a dispensation. After the fall, up to the time of Noah, that's another dispensation, how God interacted with them. Because remember, up until that point, between the fall and the time of Noah, everybody ate vegetables. Okay? They were not allowed to eat meat until when? After the flood. So the time of the flood up until the time of Moses is another dispensation. What happened with Moses? Well, the Mosaic Covenant happened. The law, the nation was established of Israel. So then we see there's another dispensation from the time of Moses up until the time of Jesus coming. We call that the law. Jesus comes. He goes to the cross. He dies. We see another dispensation then, which is what we call the church age. We see that through the New Testament. Then we see that there's an, you know, another dispensation after that. The church is removed. We see that as the tribulation. We'll talk about that later. Then there's the millennium. And then, of course, there's eternity. So it's, it's, it's a view on, of how to view the scripture. And so George, your pastor, is primarily a dispensationalist. I would be called a dispensational pastor in my theology. So when we talk about dispensational premillennialism, that's the prevalent view that most, even most of the guys that you listen on the radio hold. So let's talk about it. First of all, what is the view of dispensational premillennialism? That Jesus Christ will return to the earth literally and bodily, after a seven-year tribulation. So premillennialism, dispositional premillennialism, is the belief that after a literal seven-year 
time of God pouring out his wrath on the world. Jesus Christ is going to come back bodily, not spiritually, physically, bodily, to establish a thousand-year kingdom of peace. That's what dispensational premillennialism is. Okay, So Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom, which he will rule for a thousand years. He'll rule this kingdom for a thousand years. It'll be King Jesus in charge for a thousand years. Let's go on. In this kingdom, all of Israel's covenant promises will be fulfilled. Now, this is what dispensationalism believes. Remember I told you last week, if you're going to understand the study of eschatology, and if you're going to understand the study of the end times, you've got to make a decision about what to do with Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, when we look at the other viewpoints, you're going to understand why I brought that point up. It's, it's the whole issue of what do you believe about Israel with regards to the return of Jesus Christ. What we believe is, is that when Jesus Christ comes back, all of the covenant promises that God gave to them, such as what? The land. What land? Well, would you be ready for this? He promised them everything from the river Nile up to the river Euphrates. Israel has never had that land. Aren't you glad they don't have it now or aren't trying to get it now? There'd be serious warfare right now, right? Do you think Egypt would give up what they have and Iraq would give up what they have? No, no. There'd be some serious war. The land that was promised to Israel is everything between the Nile and the Euphrates. That's a lot of land. That's never happened. Even in Solomon's kingdom, which was way huge, it's never happened. So in the kingdom, all of Israel's covenant promises, the promises that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will be fulfilled. Let's go on. This view believes that the rapture and the second coming are two separate events. Now remember, I told you a definition of the rapture is, is the church being taken at some point to be with Christ in the air. This is a separate thing from his coming. Okay, because he comes in the air, he takes the church to be with him before God's wrath is poured out on the earth during the tribulation. And these are two separate events. So for a dispensationalist, in our premillennial viewpoint, these are two different events. Now, most dispensational premillennialists believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. What does that mean, George? Well, we're going to talk about the rapture here in about three weeks, as far as the different views. But most dispensational premillennialists believe that when Jesus comes for believers, it'll be right before the tribulation happens. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I said most. Remember I shared with you last week it used to be, like 20 years ago, if you listened to the radio, you listened to the same speakers like John MacArthur, Chuck Swindoll, David Jeremiah. You know, when you listen to those guys on the radio, they were all, they're all dispensational premillennialists, first of all. But all of them are pre-tribulational in their belief of the rapture. Now you have a whole host of other guys who are premillennialists who believe in a literal bodily return of Jesus to establish 
a, a thousand-year reign, but they may not necessarily be pre-tribulational. So, for instance, like James McDonald, who I enjoy listening to. He's on Walking the Word. How many of you listen to Walking the Word on the radio? I listen to his podcasts and so forth. He is he's a pre-wrath guy which is a kind of a variation of a mid-trib position. And we'll talk about that in three weeks. It's okay. All right? I kind of understand where he's coming from with that. That's fine. John Piper. How many of you have heard of John Piper? I enjoy John Piper. I listen to his messages. I read his books. John Piper is a post-tribulational rapture guy. He believes that the rapture will take place just right before Jesus comes back. You're like, Really? Yeah, he's got his reasons why, and he lists them. Do I need to stop listening to him? No. No, you don't need to. He's pretty profound. He's pretty deep, if you can get through what he's saying. He's pretty good. So what am I trying to say to you? Most hold a pre-trib view, but there are some other views. Remember now, it's okay. All right? It's okay. The issue is what? Whether or not they believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back physically and bodily to earth to establish a thousand-year reign. That's what we need to hold to. All the other things are okay, all right? So let's go on. Dispensational premillennials believe that the reference to Israel in the book of Revelation refers to Israel, not the church. Remember, we, they take a literal viewpoint of how to interpret the Bible. So when it talks about Israel in the book of Revelation, who's it talking about? Israel. It's not talking about the church or a spiritualized church, okay? Or the church is a spiritual Israel. It's not talking about that. Now, here's the thing. Most people like to say that dispensationalism has been around forever. Talk to most of us. How, how, how old is your belief? Oh, it's been there forever. It's from Jesus on. You know, if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. No. No, that's not true. The belief emerged in the 1800s among the Plymouth Brethren in England. A guy by the name of Darby, John Darby, uh, is the primary guy. It became popular in the United States with something called the Schofield Reference Bible. How many of you at one point has, have owned a Schofield Reference Bible? A few of you have. In fact, I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, which would have been 20, back in 1985, 28 years ago, that was like the Bible in, in independent Baptist circles that you had to have. If you didn't have a Schofield Reference Bible, there was something wrong with you. First of all, it had to be King James, and then it had to be a Schofield Reference Bible, because that was the authority of what you believed. Well, the, the Schofield popularized dispensationalism. So that's why it became a prevalent thing. Is because of, I mean, you have to think about it. Most people, when they bought a Bible, had a Bible. But how many of you have a study Bible here today? How many of you have a Bible with notes and everything that helps you to understand? You like your study Bible. When you're reading, you look at your notes and stuff. We've well, got to understand, when the Schofield came out, for the average person, they got their King James, but now they've got something to explain it to them. Did you understand what I'm saying? You didn't have to rely upon the preacher you could study it yourself. And so it was a very prominent 
Bible. So here's what happened. It increased in popularity in the late 1800s and remains the dominant view today. So it's the dominant view today among people. So that's dispensational premillennial. Anybody got a question about that viewpoint? That's where we are here at the church, but we're realistic about it. We're not going to be deceived and say, it's always been believed, you know. I think there is something that's always been believed, and we're going to talk about it here in a moment, but it isn't dispensationalism. Let's go on. The next view is the historic premillennial view. Historic premillennial view. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Remember I told you that there are issues that you can hold it. you know, you've got right-hand issues and left-hand issues. Right-hand issues are serious doctrinal issues that you hold to that cannot change. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his substitutionary death on the cross for you, the authority of the Word of God, his virgin birth, those are issues that are not up for debate. His return, his bodily return to set up a thousand-year kingdom. Those are issues that are not up for debate. Everybody understand? Those are right-hand issues. Right-hand issues you cling to, you die for. All right? Left-hand issues are things that you hold on to loosely. I'm going to be honest with you. Some people make the rapture a right-hand issue. It's really a left-hand issue. Does everybody understand me? Don't throw a stone at me. Don't come afterwards and beat me up, you know. It's a left-hand issue. Why? Because, okay, I just mentioned to you, most people believe in a pre-tribulational viewpoint. But I just mentioned to you some solid Bible teachers who maybe are holding to something differently. It's okay. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's okay. So, the issue is, the right-hand issue is whether or not you believe that Jesus Christ is literally going to come back bodily and set up a thousand-year reign. That's the right-hand issue. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the right-hand issue. Now, this view, historical premillennialism, goes all the way back to the church fathers, all the way back to the time of the apostles. This view believes that Christians will remain on earth during the Great Tribulation. Huh? They believe in a literal bodily return of Jesus Christ, they believe he's going to come back and establish a thousand-year reign. But in the first 300 years of the church, okay, the first 300 years of the church, the predominant viewpoint was is that Christians will remain on the earth during the Great Tribulation. Okay, let's go on. The Tribulation will purify the church. Now, they viewed hardship, struggle, and everything else as purifying the church. Purifying the church. All right, let's stop for a moment. This was the predominant view for the first 300 years. Now, something changed after that 300 years. Here's what changed. Christianity changed with the edict of Constantine allowing Christianity to be accepted in the Roman Empire. Up until that time before that, persecution, severity, Affliction were all a part of the church's life up until that point. So do you have to understand 
So it's an everyday part of their lives of being persecuted and being martyred and dying for the faith. You could see where they would say, yeah, we probably will go through the tribulation. They don't see that. All right, let's go on. So the tribulation will purify the church. Here's their view. This is where we agree with them. The second coming of Christ, Jesus Christ, will precede the millennium. They believe in a literal thousand-year kingdom and that it will precede the millennium. Now, here's where we differ with the historical premillennialism, and I think it has to do with the nature of the church is why they were here. Historic premillennialism believes that the church has replaced Israel as God's covenant people. They believed that the church replaced Israel as God's covenant people. How do they do that? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it has to do something with history. Anybody know what happened in A.D. 70? We're going to talk about this a few other views. What happened in A.D. 70? Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. Up until about A.D. 70, Jews were a predominant part of the church. After A.D. 70, that's like a trigger point. After A.D. 7, that's a significant turning point in the history of church history. Up until that point, after A.D. 70... Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem is no longer the predominant church anymore. That shifts to other churches, not just Rome, but other churches. And what ends up happening is, is the church from that point on becomes predominantly Gentile. Gentile. Now what ends up happening is, is there's a viewpoint then, which is still going on today, that that kind of was done with Israel. There's no, you know, the new Israel now is the church. And this is where historical premillennialism is at. Let's go on now. This seems to be the earliest view of the end times among Christians who lived just after the apostles. This is the earliest view among Christians just after the apostles. So let me just stop for a moment. Dispensationalism isn't that old. So, okay, but the issue is, is the predominant view, even though their interpretation may be a little bit wrong in some areas, their predominant view is premillennialism, that Jesus is going to come back and establish a thousand-year reign. Do you understand? That was the predominant view in the church just after the apostles. Why do you think it was predominant? In the time just right after the apostles. Anybody got a clue? Why do you think it was predominant? It's pretty simple. Because the apostles taught it. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're the early church established by the apostles, and it's the primary doctrine that they're teaching, this would probably be the primary view, right? So premillennialism... Jesus coming back before he establishes a thousand-year kingdom has been there from the beginning. All right? That's a right-hand issue. Okay? But you can tolerate it because we're going to get ready to go into some other views here that are a little bit different, and, but yet some, you have, some of you have friends who believe this. And I have friends. I have colleagues 
fellow pastors in town who believe this. So let's go on. We're going to talk about the post-millennial view. Now, what's the post-millennial view? That this is the belief that Jesus Christ will return after the millennium. Now, the problem is, is their view of the millennium is not necessarily a thousand years. A literal thousand years. All right? So let's go on then. That's what does it say? This is the belief that the second coming will occur after the millennium. Now, the, the key thing there is, what do you mean by the millennium? With this view, they're not talking about a thousand literal years. They're not taking it as a thousand literal years. Here's what it means. The millennial reign represents a period when most of the world will be reached with the gospel. The millennial reign for a post-millennialist is the period when most of the world will be reached with the gospel. All right, let me just stop for a moment. If we hold to this view, how we doing? How we doing with how soon Jesus is going to come back? Because is most of the world Christian reached with the gospel? No. There's somewhere between five and 7,000 people groups that have not even been reached with the gospel yet. Most of them are Muslim. Most of them are Muslim. They're not reached with the gospel. There's the whole 1040 window. Yes, there are spectacular things happening in the 1040 window. What do you mean the 1040 window? That has to do with reference to latitude, the lines there. And it, it encompasses all of North Africa going all the way over into Asia, where, let's be honest, are some of the most difficult groups to reach with the gospel. Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and all of that area there. That's not reached. Yeah, yeah, South Korea is 30% Christian. But that's not normal. Have you seen how big South Korea is with reference to China? It's pretty small. So this view, this is why I got a hard time with this view. One of the reasons why I got a hard time with this view is it represents a period when most of the world will be reached with the gospel. You know, something's got to literally change, folks. This is a viewpoint where things are going to get better. This is a viewpoint where things are going to get better. All right, let's go on here. This is a good one. During this time, Satan will have no power over the earth. So when the, when the world is reached with the gospel, the, the post-millennials believe that Satan will have no power over the earth. So again, we're not talking about a literal thousand-year period. We're talking about that Satan, it's, it's, it's some sort of reference to time where the, where the world's being reached with the gospel and Satan has no power of the earth. That's a little hard to understand because the Revelation talks about that during the thousand-year period, after Jesus comes back, he, it's after Jesus comes back that he has no power. Why? Because he's bound and thrown into the abyss. That's not true before he comes back, because Satan has real power now. But this is a viewpoint you have to understand. Remember I told you there are two ways of interpreting the Bible. One way is a literal view, which a dispensationalist would use. The other is an allegorical view. 
in which it's an allegory of spiritual truth. And that's where, you know, if you're viewing it that way, you can come up with this kind of concept. Here's the other one. See how we're doing on this one. Christ will rule the earth through his spirit and the church, but not physically. So Jesus is going to rule the earth during the millennium, but not physically, because he's not coming back, so he's got to rule it through his Holy Spirit and through the church. They do believe that there's a tribulation. Now, what exactly it is, I, I really can't tell you, but a great tribulation may precede, not necessarily, but may precede this millennial time. And some of them believe that that maybe was with reference to talking about the time during when Nero's persecution was happening. Here's the one that I think is interesting, and you tell me whether or not you think this is possible. The church will establish God's reign in human society. This is what a postmillennialist believes. They believe that things are going to get better because the church is going to establish God's reign in human society. Now, do you see that happening? You guys see that happening? You know, I'm, I'm 40, going to be 48 in February. I'm 47, going to be 48. Lived in the United States most of my life. And even when we had the different political movements within the church, like we need to elect the, the right guy so that we can get the right judges and, and all of this, and, and you guys went and voted, and you voted for the right guy, and, and they tried to put the right judge. Has anything changed? Anything changed? Society getting better? This is the most predominant Christian nation in the world right now. Do you understand that? Is it getting better, folks? No. For all of our, quote, Christianism here, it's not getting any better. But a post-millennialist believes that before Jesus literally comes back, the church is going to usher in a new reign of peace and establish God's reign through the church. we got a long way to go on that one, don't we? You know what I'm saying? Now, after this millennium that the church ushers in, this is what a post-millennialist believes. After this, Jesus Christ will return for the final judgment. So after this is when Jesus Christ returns. And at that point, when he returns, he's not establishing a kingdom. It's the great white throne judgment. He's going to judge humanity. This is what they believe. Now, you say, where in the world did this viewpoint come from? Well, this belief was first mentioned in the 11th century. This emerged in the 11th century. And you have to recognize, in the 11th century in Europe, it's predominantly Catholic. So it emerged out of the Catholic Church in the 11th century. But during the 1800s, post-millennialism increased in popularity. So during the 1800s, this viewpoint increased in popularity, mainly here in the U.S. Now you say, now who would believe this? Well, this is one of the viewpoints of the end times that maybe a Presbyterian would hold to. Reformers, those who believe in Reformed doctrine or covenant theology, 
would be those who would embrace a post-millennial view. So that's what we're talking about. And then next week, we're going to continue on, and we're going to talk about two more views. We're going to talk about amillennialism. Now, ah is an alpha negative, which means no millennial. That's an amillennial view. There's no millennium. And then we're going to talk about another viewpoint that really I never really thought I had to pay attention to, but it's a prominent viewpoint here in our area, even, preterism. What is that? That everything's already happened in A.D. 70. There are some people even in our area, and there's a guru of some type up in Bradford, and so we'll talk about that. What is preterism? And so we'll explain that a little bit to you next week.